Hey, hello, and welcome to a belated episode of Video Trauma Podcast. I'm your host, Get Out the House. We trace the call, and it's coming from within the house, Ryan James. And I'm Schadenfreunde, which is a German word for the feeling of slight satisfaction when you witness a person you don't like being inconvenienced by something, Callum Clark. Each week we will tackle one of the 72 banned exploitation films, so you don't have to. This week we'll be exhuming and dissecting Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness and Evil Dead 2013 Remake. Without further ado, let's get nasty! So, if you could cast your mind back to February, I know we're in April now, but... Way back. Way back to February, to our Valentine's episode where we covered the loved ones, Valentine's and My Bloody Valentine's. Was there a fourth one? Yeah, no, there was only three. Yeah, My my Bloody Valentine, the one in the mine. Yes. And we had Alison. She was good. Ali Spoons. So, out of those three films, which one was your favourite? The loved ones by a by a well not by a mile by a nautical mile <laughs> no I mean so my bloody Valentine was very good I hated Valentine um just it was very cheesy it's a good little slasher in its own right I've there's, forgotten about slasher there's not many there's not many good films that come from like those sort of like early 2000s days. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, the Scream sort of went down at that point. That's when Scream 3 came out. Uh, so that was that was the that's the indicator of the drop off of horror movie quality, is it? Though I will stay say stay. I will say that Valentine is still one of my favorite slashes just cuz it's it has a bit of charm to it. No, no charm. By... Fat shaming women. <laughs> Dorf. 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 <laughs> but no, yeah, The Loved Ones was... Even though that was, like, not... It, it was closer to the time of Valentine than it is to now. It feels like it came out now. It's a, That's a horror movie that stands the test of time. It's not, like, a screenshot of an exact sort of, like, period, which is what Valentine did. There was a thing I read, or you might have told me, but I'm going to say I read, where they you say there was no sort of horror film which defined the gen... What generation are we again? Uh, Millennials? Millennials. Yeah. There was no horror film which sort of defined how people dressed at that point in time, but the loved one sort of... It's kind of accurate. You've got the sort of emo-y boy... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It does sort of like, yeah, it's the sort it, of like the grungier side of like how people dress. Like yeah. makeup wasn't very good back then. Boys were sort of like dabbling in like mascara and eyeliner and greasy locks. Beautiful greasy locks. Yeah, was it? Is it Bert McCracken from the used? Mm, your favorite, your favorite greasy haired man. Yeah, I used to have such a crush on him. <laughs> the loved ones is a hidden gem. I was glad we watched it. Yeah, if, if nothing else, if nothing comes out of that episode, if a few people watch The Loved Ones, then we've done our job. Like that's a, it's a very good film, I would recommend. Anyway, enough with this Valentine's Day shit. Callum, what is a Video Nasty? <laughs> um, video Nasty was the term given to the 72 films which were vilified in the UK for their violent or offensive content. The moral panic surrounding these films led to an increased tightening in censorship on horror movies of the 1980s and early 1990s. Spearheaded by the conservative activist Mary Whitehouse, the witch hunt for moral superiority led to the creation of the Video Recording Act 1984, which resulted in the 72 video nasties being pulled from the shelves and many filmmakers being prosecuted under the Under the Obscene Publications Act. Only one of the films we're covering this week is actually a video nasty. Mm-hmm. However... 
kind of technically not a video nasty because Evil Dead was never banned. It was never outright banned, yeah, but it was still it was still on the list, which is weird that it wasn't banned, it... but it was still on the video nasties list. So the first film we are covering this week is 1981's Evil Dead by Sam Raimi. Callum, if you could fill us in. So Evil Dead is a 1981 horror movie directed by Sam Raimi, which Ryan has also just said. The film follows a group of five five college students who travel to an isolated cabin in the woods for a weekend getaway. While there, they discover a mysterious book, the Necronomicon, and an audio tape that, when played, releases evil spirits that possesses the students one by one, turning them into violent and deranged monsters. The film's release was met with controversy, Raimi made the film as gruesome as possible with no interest or fear of censorship, leading to an X rating and being cited as a video nasty, a title often held by pornographic films and other X-rated films. While The Evil Dead was not pornographic in nature, it was considered one of the most violent films of its time and censored had issues with the film's content, which impacted some of its commercial potential. The film was called The Number One Nasty because while it was labelled as a video nasty, it was also the year's best-selling video release and the most notorious film on the list. Along with Cannibal Holocaust and I Spit on Your Grave, writer Bruce Cowan described The Evil Dead as one of the most notorious splatter films of its day. The film was banned on video in some countries, however it was never officially banned outright. So what did you think of the film overall? I thought I'd seen it before, but what I think I've seen before is Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Evil Dead one on steroids. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the soft, the sort of sequel slash soft reboot of uh, the first Evil Dead film. So this was kind of I've seen clips. I've seen clips of like memorable horror movie bits with like the eyeball flying across the room. Things I think like that's that. the second one, you know. The eyeball across the room. Yeah, I think that's the second one. Oh, maybe I haven't watched Evil Dead. Should we? Should we stop the podcast now and uh, watch the movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely have seen it. So it was a few days ago we watched it because we've had four movies to get through for this podcast, haven't we? So it's, it's been over a couple of days. Yes. With Evil Dead being the first one watched, but I enjoyed it, but not as much as I've enjoyed Evil Dead Two in the past. I, I thought I thought it was good. I think the first one might be my favourite. There's a lot of like rustic charm to it, and it is a horror film. It's not like a comedy in any way, whereas as they go on, the films, they do get more comedic, and I feel it works in the second one because there's a good balance of horror, gore, and comedy. Yeah. But then you get to the third one, and it's skewed even more towards comedy side, so... Yeah, it just ventures into the ridiculous by the third film. Right? Yeah, it's all slapstick and just goofiness is the only way I can describe it. Whereas the first one is like a good, solid horror. Yeah, I mean, it, it does still have some comedy aspects to it. I think Bruce Campbell's character, Ash, is... Shall we, shall we mention like who the characters are for yeah. this movie? So... Bruce Campbell plays Ash Williams. Uh, then you have Ellen Sandweiss, who plays Cheryl Williams, Ash's sister. 
then you have Hal Dietrich as Scotty, Betsy Baker as Linda, and Sarah York as Shelley. So that's the five people that start this movie. I like how, because to be fair, all of them have small casts. There's no usually no more than five people in it. Yeah. So it's you get to know each character individually, and I don't know, just the first one, because you said like... Um, Ash's character is a bit comedic, but that's only really the second one. That's where he gets his like cheesy catchphrases like groovy or boomstick. Yeah, yeah. So like the first one, he just he's a normal person. They're all normal people mm-hmm. who are then besieged by the deadites, the demonic forces which possess them. When do, when do they get called deadites? I think it's in the third movie, isn't it? I think it's mentioned in the second one, but it's more in the third one. It's just casually dropped. Must be in like the recording or something than being called Deadites then. Because I I don't remember like Bruce Campbell saying Deadite at all. Well yeah, I don't think any of the characters specifically refer to them as Deadites. I will say as well, like Bruce Campbell has probably one of the most unique faces I've ever seen. He's very expressive. He's very he's a very recognizable character as yeah. well. Like He's done, like, cameo appearances in, like, some of the Marvel films and things. The most recent Doctor Strange film, he does a cameo appearance in that. <laughs> Sam the, Raimi directed. Do you mean the Secret Evil Dead film, which they described <laughs> yeah. as a Doctor Strange movie? The Marvel, the Marvel film with a little bit of spice. They've even got a Book of the Dead in it. Yeah, they yeah. do, yeah. <laughs> it's literally just another instalment of Evil Sam Dead. Sam Raimi must be stopped. Yeah. So the plot follows a group of friends who go to a log cabin and the group discover a book and a tape recorder. Of yeah, some sort of like archaeologist, ancient Sumerian rituals, which is in this book, made from human skin. It's all very creepy. It's all very Brendan Fraser's The Mummy, like yeah, let's read from the Book of the Dead. Oh my god. It was it was all kind of that, wasn't it? I will say the when the demon is summoned from like these special words being spoken from this book, the camera flying through the woods. I do love that effect. It is good. I, I especially in the first one, I was trying to see is like is there a shadow of like a um, what they called like a boom. Yeah, but I couldn't see anything, so I was like, I just pictured someone running with a camera that's the top of the head, like ah. <laughs> I think they've they've kept that in every single one of the films as well. Yes, they? they have. Yeah, yeah, but it's very good with like uh, Bruce Campbell being. It, it's is it the first or the second one where Bruce Campbell's being chased through the cabin with the um, camera just like smashing through doors and things. I think it's the uh, second one. Second one, yeah, but yeah, but it's still very like if that camera catches you. It's like a sign that you're then possessed, and it's yeah. it's very it's it's fun to watch, and it is very sort of like as you, as you're watching it, like you're gripped, you're like you do not want that camera to catch that person because then they're it. That's yeah, it's a pretty straightforward narrative, isn't it? It's something's hunting them, it's picking them off one by one, turning them into deadites. Yeah, one it's, survivor. It's definitely like a a trickster type demon where it tries to like trap them or it'll pretend to be dead, and then it'll jump back in. See, I see it as like a bit of a contagion because it sort of passes through like various things. So um, obviously, it begins with a tree rape and then and bites. Like scratches to the face like drawing blood like it's almost i feel like they make that more obvious in later movies well in the first one it's shelly scratches scott is it down the face and then that's when he gets his turn yeah so it's sort of like i said like it's contagion it seems pretty straightforward it's passed from host to host yeah 
I feel like what they do well in this film is the possession scenes. Like you said, like the thing which chases you, and the first victim who falls to that is Cheryl, which is Ash's sister. Yeah, it's it's. I I like with Ash's sister as well. Like he does, he give her as a gift that necklace, which he is gives like... it to Linda, his girlfriend. Does he? Yeah. I thought he gave it to Cheryl because Cheryl's no. the first one to get possessed. Yeah. Yes, she's the one that gets violated by the tree. They do love a good tree violation in this franchise. I've noticed because it happens a couple of times. Well, in the, the the remake, it happens. So, like, when they do flashbacks in the other two films of what's yeah. come before, it's a different actress, and they re-record the tree violation. Oh, do they? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's going to be the main sort of scene that you take away from this movie, I think. Like, if, if you've watched this movie in the cinema when it came out in 1981, the tree rape scene is going to be the one that you mentioned. In the second one, when they do the flashback of the tree rape, it isn't actually Cheryl. It's Linda who gets raped by the tree. Yeah, but like because it's like these almost soft reboot it, don't they? Yeah, like, they do. Because then it's it's just Ash and Linda. Linda, yeah, in the car in the second movie, and it's just those two that are going to the cabin, and then extra characters are introduced after that point, are they? And it is oh. it's it's not sort of like in your face with it. It's not super graphic. It's not like um, the, some of the other video nasties where there's some rape scenes which are very sort of like to the bone and you have to look yeah. at it you feel like you have to look away but the effects like they had limited budget so they had to be really creative with the effects and the they were i was gonna say even in the first one where they haven't got the budget of say the second and third like the vines slowly coiling around the hands and pulling them apart and the legs and all that yeah it was yeah. like that must have taken hours to do just like stop motions moving it a bit at a time to wrap around i think i went through while we were watching the movie i was jokingly saying like i'm just counting the different styles of like practical and special effects that are going on in this movie because there is like stop motion scenes the very creepy dancing corpse stop motion scene oh that's in the second yeah movie, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's so confusing because like it's almost it's the same setting as the first one, the second one is, and a lot happens in it. It's hard to differentiate what happened in the second and the first one. Yeah. But the first one is the one with, so you obviously you've got your tree rape, you've got the pencil being stabbed into the ankle. Yep. Cheryl does the stabbing, and it's Cheryl's face in the basement. Yes, and like the prosthetics, the prosthetics were good for a low-budget movie, but everything just gets polished in the next film, doesn't it? There's a yes. bit more cohesiveness to the makeup. And that being said, because like, you do see like the the poor bits of the prosthetic, say when you see Cheryl's hand and it's all grotesque, you can see where the prosthetic attaches on. Yeah. But when the pencil actually stabs and turns at Shelley's ankle, mm -hmm. like that's a really good effect. Even I was like, it stands up now. It's like, how did they do that? Because it's a really prolonged stab in the ankle and the pencil's being twisted. There is also like the claymation decay scene of Scott at the very end of the first film where he becomes a dead eye. I think it's after Shelley bites him or something, yeah. wrestling with the dagger. Yeah. When he dies, it's like a, his face decays, but you can tell it's done by clay, but it's still like an impressive yeah. thing to and watch. There's, there, and there's some decapitations in the first one as well, isn't there? Where like the head is just still talking and things. Yeah. So it's like there there are some incredible practical effects in this movie. And it's like if you're if you're a special effects fan, it's a good movie to watch to see what you can do with like very little. Yeah. What you can just what you can do with makeup and what you can do with just like a little bit of extra time and a bit of like stop motion aspects to it. 
Like you can do a lot with not a lot. I say the strength of this film is the people, the characters feel like people, where in later editions everyone gets turned into a caricature almost and it's it doesn't feel as authentic as the first one. Yeah. I mean, the reboot, I think, does justice to the yes. original as well. But but without the first one, like, you wouldn't have the rest. So I just feel like this film gets overshadowed by its sequels. But honestly, I still would rank this as the best one. I know like, you're pulling a face at me right now. I disagree. There are There are better movies in this franchise, but you have to sort of appreciate the original source material. Though we spent most of this review talking about its sequels, which is very hard not to do because they sort of do merge into one. It, they do. I wouldn't. I don't want to say seamlessly, but yes, they do. And it's hard because like, at the start of each film, you get a recap of the previous, and it's re-recorded, but it's it it gets confusing. So I, I think I think doing it in the way that they did, like with the soft reboot and things, and it like yes, it was a sequel. Yes, it was a soft reboot. But what you end up doing is remembering the best parts of both films and sort yeah. of like blending them in your brain, which is clear from this review of that movie. That being said, would you place this film on the Video Nasties list? Um, I'd say it was gruesome enough to be on the Video Nasties list. Like, as we said before, like Sam Raimi didn't care how controversial, how gruesome it was going to be. I say it fits in the Video Nasties list. Yes, it doesn't have almost the snuff film feel of Cannibal Holocaust to it, but it was designed to shock. And I I, I think it did that very well. To be fair, I agree. The scene which sticks out in my head the most is the pencil into the ankle scene. Mm. And it just, it made me win. So I was thinking like, like... Pet Cemetery where he gets his ankle cut, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Anything it's... like that. It's so... Yeah, it's such a visceral reaction. There's certain bits to it which are excessively violent in a good way, mm. which we loved. But if I was, if this film was presented to me and I was working on the video nasty council list, I'd be like, yeah, yeah. So the next movie we're going to be talking about is Evil Dead 2, a 1987 horror comedy film directed by Sam Raimi. It serves both as a sequel and a partial remake of the original Evil Dead. Events that happen in the first movie are sort of touched on and then it continues. It's not like a seamless matchup. It's kind of just like acknowledge the things that what happens in the first movie and sort of continues on with like what they feel is a better narrative. They cherry-pick what they like on the first film and carry it into the second, don't they? Like my brain when I get the two films confused. According to the new timeline this film puts forward, it was only Ash and Linda who went to the cabin to have a romantic getaway. Yep. Linda, this time, is raped by the tree and becomes a deadite. Mm -hmm. And you just get a little recap, but the scenes have all been redone, haven't they? Like... And you can tell there's a lot more budget that's been put into it. Yeah, it's a, it's a, bit, it's a bit more polish that's gone into everything. Like, the, all the makeup's very cohesive. Um, like, the camera chasing um, Ash through the cabin as well. It's, like, smashing through doors and things. There's there's lots of, like, 
X. It's it's the first movie on steroids, essentially, isn't it? Like it's bigger, bigger and better and more sort of like more of a feast for yeah. the eyes. But there's extra bits as well, like there's puppetry in this one as well for sort of like extra practical effects. Yeah, so Linda's body comes out of the grave and starts pirouetting and dancing. Yeah, whilst that's head spinning. Well, that's that's close to like the stop motion bits that come into it. Like the puppetry, I mean, is like where Ash clearly has like a bit of a mental breakdown. And yes. like the the phone starts laughing next to him, and the deer head on the wall starts like laughing, and it, it, th- th- those 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 sort of bits. I meant. I was gonna say it becomes more of a trip. You're almost watching Ash's descent into madness, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just I was just picturing like that situation. Like if you'd have died, and I had to like bury you, and there's this whole demon situation, and then like a semi decomposed you comes out of a grave and starts dancing towards me and like trying to goad me like that's such a weird and creepy position to be in and like i don't know how you'd respond which sort of like i then agree with ash's like descent into madness for that moment that's like an insanity inducing thing to happen overall what did you think of the film i Loved it. I liked it a lot more than the first movie. Even though there were some scenes that I really enjoyed from the first movie, I just felt like the story of the second movie made a lot more sense. Um, where or like it was sort of like adding a bit more to bits that were touched on in the first movie. So like the recording uh, was of an archaeologist who found the Necronomicon book. Now you have his daughter. Um, and her partner arriving at the cabin. Yeah. And then you've got, like, two locals who help them find the cabin and things. So she knows a little bit more about what's going on. She can read the Necronomicon and stuff, so she has a bit of an idea of, like, what the book's all about. So you get a little bit more in this one, like, character-wise. It's not just a group of friends who have random things happen to them. You have people with, like, a little bit more sort of, like, knowledge of what's going on. The difference between the first film and the second film, think of the first film as the original Halloween mm-hmm. and the second film, Terrifier 2. That is the amping violence and just crazy gore that there is between the two films. It is literally, they turn the notch right up and everything. The acting's over the top, the deaths are over the top, the gore's over the top, the action's over the top. It's just overload in every sense of the word. Yeah, and that, that's where it sort of takes it to like a, comedic point like it, it's the all of these things and because they are all so amped up it's funny yeah so it's ash, less scary more funny ash goes from being a survivor in the original film to this wise cracking gun toe and chainsaw handed cutting uh, off his uh, own hand which attacks him attaching a chainsaw to his arm and it it does get ridiculous but i love it for that i'll admit it's a very entertaining film and i still enjoy it i just for me the first one was it was a horror film this one is it's its own thing really you can't really call it call it a horror film i I, I can't really call it a comedy it's just it's evil dead too i i would say that they tried to do too much sort of like creepy horror stuff and too much comedy stuff all at once it's, it's, it is a wild ride and it is an entertaining one. Mm-hmm. And like you've got the introduction of Annie. So Annie is the daughter of the archaeologist whose cabin it is, Ash is currently in. Yes. And as you mentioned, like they travel to the cabin, 
um, Annie, her boyfriend, and two local, very stereotypical hillbillies. One of them's called Bobby Joe, just to give you a sort of idea. Yeah, Jake, Jake and Bobby Joe. Yeah, so they arrive at the cabin because they've got this translation, this missing script to the ne- Necronomicon. So they arrive at the cabin and they see blood everywhere and they assume the worst. Yeah, it literally looks like they've walked into a home invasion movie. Yeah, like Ash is covered in blood. He's just he's cut his arm off at this point as well, hasn't yeah. he? And like trying to explain how you look in this cabin that you've broken into while this person's parents are also dead. It's it's one of those that you're never going to convince someone in that situation. They're just like, no, no, here's what actually happened. It's like, hang on, no, we're, this we're person's fucking, mentally unstable. Yeah, we're, we're going to fucking tie you up until we find out a bit more information. There, you also shot through the door. I think when they arrived, didn't they? Yes. Yeah. He shoots um, Bobby Joe in the arm by accident. It grazes her arm. Yeah. So he's already like in bad stead with these people anyway. The film, though, it is one just big fever dream. Yeah. Would you say that actions are plausible with the characters? <laughs> um, some of the characters, but like not the ones that you think. So, like the Bobby Joe and Jake, like they make a lot of sense. Like they're just locals. They were just trying to make a little bit of money, and then they're just sort of like trapped in the situation. But then, like Bobby Joe, like leaves, and I think she dies outside of the cabin. And Jake is like adamant, just like, no, we're all going out there and we're going to search for her. There's some of the characters actions are very plausible. But for the most part, it's hard to prescribe logic to this film. It's just, like I said, it's a fever dream. Yeah, I don't think anybody has survival instincts as strong as Ash in that situation. It was a case of like, you have to cut off your own arm in like an incredibly gruesome manner. And then you're sort of like laughing and chasing around your own hand as it's mocking you and yeah. like giving you the finger and stuff. Like it's the most unrealistic character in all of this is Ash. Yeah, he is a caricature at this point. Yeah. Another change they've made in this film, Cheryl, Ash's sister, she's completely wiped from the record. And the evil that's in the basement in this film is Henrietta, which is Annie's mother, who they refer to as the witch. Uh, yeah, her um, costume, like, prosthetics were so good. But do you know who played um, her as the witch? No. Ted Raimi. So Sam Raimi's brother. Ted Raimi? Yeah, he was the witch. Oh, no way. Ted Raimi, known from such things as that game we played recently. The Quarry. The Quarry. Um, yeah, the Ted Raimi does a lot with in, like, Sam Raimi bits, doesn't he? Like, normally, like, background characters and stuff. To be fair, I think... He has another brother, Ivan, doesn't he? And he produces or does something with other films of his. So yeah. I, I it's like, like it's how... like another Skarsgård family, isn't it? Like they're all like heavily involved in the movie industry. Yeah. You you see all of them in like different little things. You're like, oh, it's Sam Raimi's brother. It I like Ted Raimi. Ted Raimi's a good actor. He plays a good villain in things that I've seen him in as well. And when he was younger, he was very handsome when he was a young man. He's still handsome now. He's still handsome now, but like just when when he was, <laughs> yeah. So to continue the sort of balls to the wall nature of this film, they find a way to remove the evil from the house by doing an incantation, which opens a portal. It sounds like us in a escape room. Yeah, <laughs> we don't know what to do, so we tried sacrificing. We, we had, yeah, we actually we did do that. Genuinely thought you had to do a sacrifice because there was like a pentagram, <laughs> there was a pentagram on, on the floor and there was a baby in the room. So And there was like weird gibberish writing. Yeah, 
It made yeah. sense. I feel like we'd do well in a Evil Dead film. We'd be like, right, let's open this book and read. <laughs> More or less the same thing happens as in the first film. Each one gets possessed slowly. They're fighting against each other. Ash is the sole survivor up until like the very end, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And then they open a portal. Is it is it a Cambrian demon or a Calbrian demon? So the whole the whole point of it is like you've read the word from this book and it summons these spirits to devour their souls to a certain point where this big demon is like it can enter into the world and the only way to get rid of it is by continuing reading the words in the book yeah but the 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 spirits or demons possessing everybody is trying to stop you from doing that because then that summons a big portal which sucks the demon off so, so which oh, takes Lordy. the demon away <laughs> mad out of the gutter so they open a portal ash's car gets sucked in like everyone's being pulled into this portal and then eventually ash falls into this portal yep and lands in medieval england medieval england yep somehow yep where you get a cool little scene of a dead eye flying around and ash kills it and all of the knights around him applaud him and hail him as a king and that leads very nicely into the next movie. But yeah, it, so that is literally the start of the um, the next movie. Kind of. Kind of. It again. Yeah, they get they get it they, just just a little bit. They they sort of rejig it a little, don't they? Would you place this film on the video nasty list? Um, I'd say it has more of a right to be there than the first movie. I'd say it was more gory and sort of gruesome. Than the first movie, but it also came out a lot later, and there were other films that had come out between the first movie and the second movie, which like the sort of whole like body horror thing like came out, and there was lots of movies that were very gruesome during that time. To be fair, I'd say the violence in this film though is more fantastical. It's attacking hands which are trying to kill you, and it's um, killing. Dancing corpses where the heads off and spinning. Yeah. Whereas the first one, it was things that were attacking them. Yeah. Like I was stabbing them and stuff. So I would say it was less. I would be less inclined to put it on the video nasties list, mm. even though all, all in all, it's more violent film and it's more bloody. Like the amount of pints of blood that must have been poured on. Uh, yeah. Campbell in this film. Was, is... was there like a scene where there was like a lot of vomiting blood and vomiting puffs I... and things like that? Yeah, there's. I just remember a fountain of blood at some point. Like I said, we watched this a couple of days ago. And our next movie is Army of Darkness, a 1993 horror comedy film directed by Sam Raimi. This was intended to be the third and final instalment of the Evil Dead franchise. The movie follows Ash Williams, played by Bruce Campbell again, who is transported back in time to medieval England and must battle an army of the undead in order to find the Necronomicon and return to his own time. What did you think of the film, Callum? Very different from the first two. Um, It sort of like went away from the horror of the first movie to the comedy horror of the second movie. It's now... Horror, comedy, fantasy. 
if the first movie was kind of like that, then I'd be like, great, it it all fits. But it's just so such an outlier. It's it's Halloween in space. Like it's it's just as so it, tonally different from the first two, isn't it? Very, but I would also say there's a lot of like very good like special effects aspects that happen in it as well. Um, like there's some really creepy deadites. They're all like flying demons through the air and stuff. There's a lot of like cool stuff that goes on, but there's a lot more of the groovy bits to it yeah. as well. And it just it to be fair, I found this film to be a parody. I said to Calm as we were watching this, I feel like Sam Raimi was reading Lord of the Rings at the time and he knew he had to do the third installment of the films. And he was like, I wonder. Because <laughs> it's the horror element is completely removed. You still got like the wacky element of the previous film, but it's the horror's been more or less erased. Mm. Like there's not really deadites in this film. There's a couple, but for the most part it's just skeletons. It's like a skeleton army. You mean skeletons? Skellingtons. Not skellingtons. Skellingtons. Jack Skellington is in this film. Uh, but there's like, yeah, there's there's a whole like bit where there's like skeletal arms coming out of the ground. And it's, it is, it's slapstick comedy, isn't it? All the yeah. way through. Um, there, there is a bit where he's like fighting a dead eye in a pit, ashes. He gets thrown into a pit. He's captured. He's thrown into a pit. And he has to fight like a couple of deadites, and they they're quite cool. It's quite a cool scene, isn't it? And it's it's very sort of like creepy because he's he's trapped down there, and there's spikes in yeah. the walls coming towards him and stuff. But he kills these two deadites in such a way. He then gets up and punches the main like general or like Lord Lord Arthur, Lord Arthur like the main lord, and gains the respect of everybody around him just because of how American he was at that moment in time. <laughs> This whole bit, though, is a re- like a replacement for the ending of Evil Dead 2, where they sort of retconned it. Whereas at the end of Evil Dead 2, he slays a flying... Um, fuck, what are they called? Deadite. Deadite. And then they all like sort of praise him and hail him as the king. Mm-hmm. The start of this film, none of, it's like none of that's happened. They've just put him in chains and they're going to throw him down a well because they think he's a part of a rival army led by Henry the Red. Yeah. And then you get the bit Callum's just explained. Well, it's just so... It's a sad film to watch in what's come before. It just... It's lost its identity, this film has. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm going to point out as well, like, so far in these films, the most high... Other than um, Bruce Campbell, you've got another, like, fairly high-profile actor in it of M. Beth Davids. Uh, who is in Schindler's List, Matilda and Bicentennial Man, as well as The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yes, she uh, plays Sheila, doesn't she? Yeah, Miss Honey and Matilda as well. Um, so it's, it's a very, very familiar face. And the majority of actors, other than Bruce Campbell, to be fair, Bruce Campbell's mostly only in Evil Dead films. He's, he's in other things as well, but he's most well known for Evil Dead. Yeah. Um, most of the other actors that are in these movies as well are typically like fairly low profile actors. They're in a lot of like minor like TV roles and things. Um, so it's nice to see like a high profile actor. It's hard to sort of review this 
seriously because it's almost like a Monty Python sketch the entire film. Sam Raimi really pissed on your chips, didn't he? I just don't like this film. I'd say I enjoyed See, it. I, I it thought was... it was good. The, the, I think visually it was very good. I liked it. I liked the whole sort of like dark fantasy aspect of it all. See, if it was its own standalone thing, had nothing to do with Evil Dead, then I could like the film, but it's just, it's might be a continuation of what's come before and it, it doesn't. Yeah, he's sort of like, was it Bruce Campbell's like fulfilling a prophecy because he's in the Necronomicon as well. Apparently, it's like yeah. A cho- yeah, he's like a chosen one from this book and the wise man in it is trying to point this out to people and only he can go and f- find the Necronomicon. What, what does he have to do? He has to go and get the Necronomicon, bring it back and then they are able to give him a potion that sends him hundreds of years into the future. See, that, that's the thing that bugged me. So That was very Twilight Zone-esque. I remember there being a Twilight Zone episode of the early Twilight Zones where they slept for hundreds of years in yeah. a cave. And I yeah. remember being in a cave and being like, that's very like that episode. Yeah, the, you're correct. So that there is an episode on that. Mm-hmm. But the So he gets sent back in time after Annie reads a passage and opens a portal on the second film. So he's sent back in time to get the book which he initially had in the first place in the second film to send him back to his normal time. It's like, why? Yeah. It's just, like I said, if it was a standalone film about a different guy and he somehow travelled back in time and he did all these cool things, that's fine. That's cool. I don't mind that. But it doesn't progress the story. It's just, if they done... So say if... He went back in time. That's the direction that he really wanted to go in. It would have been cool to have Ash in a castle with the medieval knights and the sort of same thing that's happened in the previous two films happen in that setting. That would be a continuation for me. But this epic fantasy out of nowhere yeah. is just so left field. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> so you, you're annoyed at the incohesiveness. Yeah, like they could have done the medieval dead. Yeah. Well, instead they just did. Some... Yeah, they could have done it as like a prequel, couldn't they? They're like the someone finding the Necronomicon, fighting off these demons and deadites. They they could have done it as that, well, and then like you, and then it ends with that film, where where the Necronomicon is in the ruins where it's found in yeah. the original movie. That would have been a very good that way of going be a about good it. Connective yeah. tissue, but but you wouldn't have Bruce Campbell. They could find a way to get him in there. He could have played another character. <laughs> he could have been this, like some washerwoman in the background. But it's like inst- a joke. But what what we got instead was Bruce Campbell in medieval England on the quest to get a book. Mm-hmm. His reflection turns into this evil demon deadite. Oh, those little tiny... The, the, uh, oh, yeah. He has... The tiny Bruce Campbells that are running around, chasing him around a windmill. Yeah, so there's a scene where... He sees his reflection, and in the previous film, his reflection tried to kill him, so he smashes the mirror into pieces, and all these tiny reflections crawl out of the pieces and just... That was a tedious scene. It was like... Far fif- too long. It was like 15 minutes long of this really ridiculous lapstick falling over, being stabbed in the arse by the little tiny bruises with prongs and stuff. It was just so out there, and then... They all sort of merged into him and he grew another version of himself. No, one one jumped into his mouth. Oh, that was that it. Anyway, so there's two Bruce Campbells. They fight. 
That that was very well done though. How he like they split him in half. Kind I mean, of. the effects were really good in the film. I'm not. Yeah, he sort of like it off for that. It was like going through a sort of like mitosis or meiosis moment where like he was like splitting into two Bruce Campbells, uh, and they they did it very well because I was trying to sort of like like look, look at like the other head of Bruce Campbell and things like that as yeah. it's happening because there's obviously gonna be a fake face. Uh, like a fake like there's gonna be like a dummy attached to him at like any given point but like certain bits they just got like a look-alike and things it was it was very well done i was very entertained by that but the, the bit which really was just like fucking what are we watching was when the good bruce camp um the good ash goes why are you doing this to his reflection and the bad version of him says because you're a goody two-shoes <laughs> this is the villain that we have like the first film it was creepy it was like friends being possessed the second one was that but amped up this one is you know a goody two shoes it's like mate come on yeah remember the first one where he was just a guy and these things were happening to him and he was surviving i liked that <laughs> it reaffirmed in my brain that the first one was really fucking good and now he's like a lord in medieval england and yeah. Yeah, it was I see I really enjoyed the movie, but now hearing you like tear the off. movie to shreds, yeah. I'm I agree with everything that you're saying, but I still enjoyed the journey that that movie took me on. <laughs> <laughs> Would you place this film in the video nasty list? Uh no. Not no. not even it's not even close to being a video nasty. If you're gonna put this in the video nasty list, you need to put the Goonies in as well. Like, yeah, it's just... it's just yeah, it's it's not a horror. And like, if you want to introduce your young children to horror, it's a good movie to start with because the only thing that's like horrific about it is occasionally you have a gruesome looking monster. I'd like it. There's there's nothing scary going on really. It's definitely more of like a fantasy, dark fantasy. But it's not even as scary as the Black Cauldron. Just like going back to my analogy of before. So if the first film is like Halloween, the second one is terrifier too. This is definitely Goonies. That's literally the arc of the films. Yeah, it's not. It is very So yeah. On to the next. On to the next one. So now we're on to the first movie of the Evil Dead reboot. So it seems as though it's a full reboot of the franchise, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's like the the, the Evil Dead Rising that's coming out later this month feels like a good sequel for it. I don't know how it's going to connect into the first movie. It's definitely not set in a cabin in the woods. I do know something. So there was meant to be a sequel to this one made by the same writer and producer. However, for whatever reason, it got canned. So it was meant to be the main character of this one, Mia, meets Ash and they both tackle the Deadites together, but it got scrapped. So I don't know if the new Evil Dead Rise is a continuation of this or a completely reboot again. Oh, so it's just, it, it could just be the Necronomicon falls into the hands of some other people. Yeah, which I'm here for because it's, Fresh blood, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it seems to be set in like an apartment as well, which, yeah. Like I say, change of scenery. Change of scenery, yeah, because like the first two movies were set in the Cabin in the Woods. Third one's Medieval England. 
This one's this Cabin reboot in the Woods. is Cabin in the Woods. So Evil Dead is a 2013 horror movie uh, directed by Fede Alvarez. And so Fede Alvarez is the director for this one, but San Raimi is and Bruce Campbell are both producers. Uh, it's a reboot of the original Evil Dead movie. It follows a group of friends who go to a remote cabin in the woods. Sounds familiar. <laughs> only to discover the Book of the Dead and unwittingly summon demonic spirits that possess them one by one. Even though the synopsis says it's um, a group of friends who go to this cabin, they go for a reason. So the yep. main character in this film, Mia, she is a recovering drug addict. Mia, her brother David and a couple of their friends all go to this cabin to... So she could do this sort of sacrificial pouring the drugs down the well. And as she's away from the city and stuff, it's so she can detox and get her life back on track. Which I thought was a really nice, well not nice, but a really refreshing reason. They weren't just breaking into a cabin which they don't own. It was yeah. a family cabin and they were going there for a specific reason. Yeah, so you have like Mia and her brother as well. They've spent some like they've got some childhood memories based around this cabin and stuff. But yeah, it's a good reason for a group of friends to go to a cabin in the woods. It's to there to support, and it's also a really good like plot point as well because you Mia is one of the first people to sort of like encounter the sort of like the demonic presence after the sort of book's been opened and summoned and things. So they just take it as she's coming down off of like off the drugs she was on. She's probably seeing things. She's trying to yes. say anything to convince you to take her away from this cabin. What I really like about this is it picks what was great about the original film. The characters do feel more fleshed out. So you've got Mia, recovering drug addict. You've got David, her brother, who's been estranged from his sister for a while and then you've got the friend olivia who is a training nurse so like she's the one that's patching him together like i feel like the characters are sufficiently fleshed out in this one which yeah. has been lacking from the previous two films of the franchise also i want to mention the tone difference in this it sort of goes back to its roots by being spooky but they go dark with this don't they with the hanging dead cats and yeah so they do so the, the difference between the sort of the other movies in this one as well um, is the the movie starts out with uh, another group of people, doesn't it? Like the yeah. opening scene is a woman who gets kidnapped or like captured as she's walking through the woods. She's covered in blood, clearly distressed, and she's tied to a post. And then you find out like her dad is there with what seems to be like a local sort of witch type person yes. who's reading through the Book of the Dead and explaining to him that he needs to, to save her spirit. He needs to set her on fire, essentially. And she's like trying to she's pleading to get free and things and he's pouring gasoline over her. And it's just like her pleading and pleading and pleading. And then she sort of like switches just like, I'll eat your soul or something. She says, yeah. And then he like, Lights the match, sets her on fire. She's still like giving him grief, essentially. It's, she's still saying like horrible things to him while she's on fire, which sort of it's it's a really good sort of like setting the tone for the movie. Yeah, this is another um, example of them improving on what's come before. They've set down rules so like you can cure someone from being a deadite from decapitation, burying them, or setting them on fire. Yeah. Like, you've got strict rules put in front of you. So it's it just fills in the gaps which were missing in previous entries, mm -hmm. I find. Yeah, it's... Like like we were saying before about how you, you were describing the possession as being like a bit of a contagion. 
it's yeah. sort of like firmly in place in this one. So when the the words from the book are read out loud, so they, they find the book underneath the cabin. And um, who is it who reads it? Is it Eric? It's Eric, yeah. Yeah, so Eric is the person in the cabin. He wears glasses, so he's clearly the nerd of the group. And uh, so he decides to open up the book and not only like look at the book, like ignores all the warnings in the book that says, don't read this, don't read it out loud, don't let anybody else read it out loud. And scribbled bits in the book, he then puts a piece of paper over it and uses like a pencil to then lift the embossed sort of writing underneath it and then reads it out loud and summons a demon. See, I quite liked the sort of um, scribbles out in the book and don't read this, don't read this. Because obviously, as you find out later on the film, when they try to burn the book, you can't burn the book. So yes. yeah, yeah. They def- the people who had it previous to them try to deface it so no one can actually summon him up. Yeah. And then enter Eric. <laughs> yeah, it's a, bit, it's a bit like getting a second-hand textbook and then finding somebody else's notes scribbled all over it, isn't it? <laughs> Though... They haven't really got the excuse of boredom in this film as they did in the previous ones. Like they're not just there chilling. They're there with Mia, who's on the come down and kicking off and screaming. Mm-hmm. So it's like Eric's like, "Oh fuck this! Oh, this book's interesting. <laughs> what could this <laughs> be? Look at this instead." Uh, but yeah, so he says the words, and they sort of like the idea of being a contagion comes into play because like the weakest person in that group at that moment, the one who's most susceptible to being possessed, is Mia. She's like pacing back and forth. The camera flying through the woods makes its way to her, and then she instantly vomits when it gets to her. So that's indication for you as the viewer that she's then possessed, and it's just it is like a step-by-step, like, she sort of, like, passes it on to other people from that point, and they pass it on to other people. It's very well done, where it's, like, it's it's almost, like, vampiric, isn't it? I was going to say, it's almost mirrors as well, like, for the first half of the film, anyway, it mirrors the first film, so brother and sister, sister's the first one to get possessed and drags everyone down. However, you go into it expecting that, and then you get the misdirect at the end of the... um, Car battery. Is it car battery that David uses to resurrect Mia after he buries her? It would make sense that David would know that as well, just because he works in a garage, doesn't he? They make a thing about that he didn't come back to help his mum because he'd only just started at the garage. But I thought that was such a cool misdirect because obviously you think, well, Mia's gone because Cheryl went. Mm. And then they bury her, he resurrects her, and then... David almost passes the torch on to Mia and she becomes the final girl, which so far we have not had in this franchise. It's very graphic, isn't it? Yeah. It's like you've got people like peeling off their own faces. You've got needles being stabbed into people's eyes. You've got another tree rape scene, which is done even more graphically than the other two tree rape scenes that we've seen before. Yeah. You've got the nail gun. The nail gun was a good one. Yeah, going through the hand and oh, and even the... even like more simple ones where like people are getting hit with the crowbar. Yeah, the crowbar. Like, was like... you could you could almost hear the bones breaking like when someone like raises their arm to like protect them, protect their faces and things. And then you've got like a chainsaw comes into this movie again as well. The, the meat slicer cutting off the arm. Oh yeah, and they they what should. Who is it? It's Mia, isn't it? She, she like gets de- arm trapped. Yeah, yeah, she gets Ooh. her arm trapped under a car. She like degloves her arm essentially, and then rips her arm off. It's very graphic. It's got the amped 
like over the topness in terms of gore, which the second Evil Dead film had, mm-hmm. but it's restrained and still a horror like the original Evil Dead. Yeah. Though I'm surprised you missed off something quite big for you anyway in this film. The dog died. Grandpa died. Grandpa died. I'm sorry, Grandpa. So was it actually confirmed that Mia, when she was possessed, killed him? Because you saw a scene, or was it... Um, yeah, I think it was just her brother imagining what could have possibly happened to the dog. It could have been anything. Well, there was a hammer with blood, wasn't there, you found? Uh, yeah, potentially... Oh, Mia, why? Well, it wasn't Mia, it was bad Mia. Beer. <laughs> I need a beer. <laughs> Bad mere beer. Um, yeah, nah, it's always unnecessary when a dog dies. There didn't need to be a dog in it in the first place. It's Grandpa. Of course they'd take Grandpa the dog. Oh. I think that's an excellent name for a dog. Grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for my Grandpa. No. Yeah, so you have like more basement scenes in this um, this movie as well, don't you? I think the basement scenes were very good and very creepy. I was going to say, this is an example of a reboot which works well because it's it does the fan service bit, so you get your chainsaw, you get like the basement, you get like the stuff you'd expect to see from an Evil Dead film, yep. but it does something new, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. It's a very strong contender. Like, mm. like the, the violence in it like the cut with the um stanley knife cutting and like the nail gun the syringe to the eye it's very yeah i definitely (laughs) like i sucked my teeth a lot during this film like and it's like some of the graphic violence bits i'm I'm fairly hardened to like violence in movies and things but there was a lot of from me as i was watching this It, it is a scary movie it's definitely a horror, hundred percent. I will say that they've kind of carried on from the first movie. They've they've carried it on, but they've changed it. And I've always thought of the uh, the demons in the Evil Dead films as being like trickster demons, and it's that sort of like. But what they've done in this newer one is almost what they did in Hereditary with Paimon as being like a trickster demon or a trickster prince of hell. It, but he's a trickster in the sense like. He's not trying to joke with you. He's trying to like unnerve you and have his own fun with you. I definitely think the demons in the Evil Dead franchise now are trying to... They're having fun with you. They're playing with your their plaything. Yeah. Whereas in the earlier films, they, they did that, but in the sense that it was like slapstick comedy joking with you. Yeah. To try and make you go insane. In this one, it's very much like they're trying to make you go a bit mad, but like in a really dark way. Yeah. But like, I feel like it's a really good example of like a trickstery demon type. Mia, up to that point, everything she says just isn't believed, which yeah. is how I think everybody would respond in that situation. Yeah. Because like she's a recovering drug addict. She's in a situation where she's just gone cold turkey. She's got no drugs anywhere near her. She will tell you anything to alleviate her, how she feels in that situation. So, Callum, would you place this film on the video nasties list? Um, I don't think it's like an appropriate question, is it? Because it, it fits with horror today. Yeah. 
So, like, people... I don't know whether people have become more hardened to horror modern day or people are sort of more inclined to take it as, like, a roller coaster ride. It's not designed to, like, offend you. It's not designed to sort of, like, do anything other than take you on a roller coaster ride. Yeah. Like, it, it was... Yes, it was scary. Yes, it was graphic violence. Yes, it was gory. But it was put together in a very entertaining way where you're just like going on this ride with people. So it's not, it's not anything you take your kids to go and watch. Oh no. It's definitely like an 18. I was going to say, if this film came out in the eighties, possibly yes, but cause it's a 2013 film. It, it just, just sort of fits with what we know horror is today. Yeah. It's it's definitely up there with the sort of like the more graphic horror. It's left. It's not like a. <clears throat> it's not like an elevated horror, is it? No, thank God. It's not like a Babadook or it follows. It, it's it's not like anything like that, which is sort of the direction where horror is going. It's very much a splatter movie. It knows what it is. It knows what to give Evil Dead fans, and it delivers. Yeah. I feel like this film will have made a few fans as well. Like I feel like people will have watched this movie and then gone back to the source material and watched that because it is very entertaining and there's it, a lot of interest. Like you've got the whole like Necronomicon there and stuff. You, like it, it wants you. You want to know more about it. Yeah, it's it's a good entry into the franchise. I think. Agreed, and I hope Evil Dead Rise continues. There's a sort of path this film has put the franchise on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I do hope that, yeah, I hope Evil Dead Rise is as dark as this movie. Thank you for listening to Video Trauma. We'll be back in two weeks to cover the 1981 film The Burning and the 1976 film Snuff. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at Video Trauma Pod, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Until next time, stay, stay nasty. nasty.